When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome, everybody, back to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. I am your host, Andrew, and as always, I got my co-host, Matt, here with me. And Matt, we have a very special day to celebrate. It is officially the one-year anniversary of the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. One year ago today, we released our very first episode. It was our quarterback breakdown with uh, myself, yourself, and our former co-host, Vitor Paiva, who we miss very dearly. Um, Broke down Trey Lance, Justin Fields, and Zach Wilson, and seeing who the Jets would eventually take with the second overall pick. Uh, obviously, we know what happened since then. Flashback to a, a year forward, and I cannot believe we are here. We have grown so much so fast in such a short amount of time. I just want to start off the show by thanking everybody for tuning in. It really does mean the world to us. Uh, Matt, go ahead. Tell the people uh, how you feel after a year. Wow. We've come a long way. We've talked about so many different things. We've had so many ups. And actually, mostly lows, but at mostly the same time, the, the, we saw growth in the team. We saw some things to be excited about, and I uh, can't wait to see them come to fruition. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. This team's got a bright future ahead of it. We got a really, really important draft ahead of us as well uh, to cement this offseason. Uh, and we have a bright future ahead of us on this show. We got a lot of big things planned coming. So stay, guys, stay tuned. I promise this next year it's going to be even better than the last uh, that I can be sure about. But we are going to get right into it. It is draft season. As I said, it is that time of year. And like we did last year to start things off, we went through our position previews. We're going to do the exact same thing here again. Uh, we don't have as much time to go through every position one by one. So we are going to combine things a little bit. Today, we're going to start things off with the skill positions going through the running backs, the wide receivers and the tight ends. Uh, uh, breakdown overall of the most general common guys to be drafted in about the top four or five rounds, a uh, quick overview of all the names, and then we'll specifically get into a couple guys we really like and want to highlight um, further into that. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to get right into it. Let's start things off with this wide receiver group. I think that's what everybody is interested in right now in a potential trade. Uh, if the Jets are going to package some of their picks and go for a veteran that becomes available, if they become available, we know they tried to do that for Tyreek Hill uh, and ultimately Tyreek Hill went to the Dolphins. So we got a receiver need and there needs to be another 
body added to this group. And there needs to be someone that can be a difference maker, take the top off the defense, be a consistent weapon over the middle as well. Uh, just be that go-to target for Zach Wilson at all times. Elijah Moore is great. And we all think that he's going to continue to be great, but we need someone that can run with him. He can't do everything himself. And the best uh, way to have a good passing attack is to have a bunch of dangerous receivers. So let's go right into this list. I'm going to go through right off the top. This is no particular order. Do not take this as a ranking, just merely an overview of the guys that we think are going to be the best chance to be drafted decently highly. First off, we have Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, the Ohio State duo. Uh, Drake London from USC, the big-bodied target. Traylon Burks from Arkansas is your run-after-the-catch demon. Jamison Williams from Alabama is your speed freak. Christian Watson from North Dakota State is another guy with size and speed. George Pickens from Georgia. Uh, very, very talented, but there are some injury concerns with him as well. Sky Moore from Western Michigan, who's very similar to Elijah Moore in a slot weapon that can win down the field with speed as well. Alec Pierce from Cincinnati is a big body guy with speed. Uh, Jahan Dotson from Penn State's another smaller slot weapon, but really good at getting open. David Bell at Purdue. Strong over the middle, good routes, maybe not going to blow your top off with speed, but definitely solid. Romeo Dubs at Nevada. This is one of my favorites who I'm definitely going to talk about a little further in depth, but I'll save that for when we get to him. Wandale Robinson from Kentucky, uh, another do-it-all SWAT weapon, yards after catch freak. Calvin Austin from Memphis, uh, very small, but very fast, very quick, uh, very Very electric with the ball in his hands and very smart as well. Um, Jalen Tolbert from South Alabama is another outside possession receiver. And finally, Eric uh, Azukama from Texas. Tech, who I had actually not heard about until five minutes before we started recording. And Matt told me I need to go ahead and check him out. So Matt, I'll go ahead and let you lead things off. Which one of these guys do you want to highlight? Oh, all right. Well, let's start with with the early guys. Who 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 are the guys that we might take in the first round or even mm-hmm. the top of the second round? Uh, I want to start with Chris Olave. Uh, kind of under the radar because you have Garrett Wilson also from Ohio State. Uh, who's the all-world guy who's probably going to be the first wide receiver off the board. But Chris Olave is that sneaky guy that uh, does everything you need him to do while at the same time being overshadowed by the likes of Garrett Wilson. He's got the speed. He's got the hands. He's got the body control. Uh, he's a, a, a decent blocker. He's not the best blocker, but uh, he's everything that we can that we would ask him to do, he can do. Uh, and I think he can be a great speed slot, uh, take the top off of defenses from the slot position. Uh, we already have that and more on the outside. Uh, so he would be a nice uh, compliment inside with his speed. Uh, he's got a, a lot of things going for him. Uh, I really wouldn't mind trading back into the first round or if we uh, trade our 10th pick, uh, trade back from our 10th pick, uh, I would take him there maybe in the the mid teens to the twenties the in that range. Uh, I wouldn't take him at twenty at ten. Uh, so if we do take him, I, I I'm expecting it to be in some kind of trade scenario. Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Um, I've loved Chris Olave for a long time. I really liked him last year uh, when he was Justin Fields' go-to target, and I thought the exact same thing I think about him now, which is he's just. Everything is smooth with him. Everything he does is crisp and clean. Uh, He's good acceleration off the line. He can vary his releases. He's an excellent route runner overall. Um, Solid hands is able to make catches away from his body plays the sideline really well. Just a guy that's going to get open, get separation and be a reliable target in the passing game. Uh, He may not, 
be the most dangerous weapon ever. Although I do think he's got some pretty good deep speed to match and can separate down the field um, better than maybe he gets credit for, but it may not be his ultimate calling card, but he still can do it. I think he's really well-rounded overall. And I like him a lot. I agree. I wouldn't take him 10th overall. Um, I'm having a little bit of a, a, a midlife crisis almost with these <laughs> wide receivers where I had watched Garrett Wilson earlier in the process and I liked him and I'd seen some other guys like Drake London and Traylon Burks and I didn't like them as much. And I kind of wasn't as, as big on this receiver class overall. And I'd seen some other guys further down the board and now I'm kind of going back and I'm watching Garrett Wilson after watching some of these other guys. And I had had him as my top receiver for so long. And now it's like, I don't know if he is. I just, Mm. I'm, I'm worried that I like Chris Olave better. And I'm kind of sitting here thinking, how can Garrett Wilson be my number one receiver in the draft if I don't even think he was the best receiver on his own team? I feel like Olave was definitely more reliable. In fact, I think he has probably the best hands out of all the first round uh, eligible uh, wide receivers, except for maybe Pickens. Uh, But Pickens, you know, has his injury concerns. Mm -hmm. uh, And we didn't really get a chance to see him this year. So with a smaller sample size, he's got a little bit better. But uh, I, I... I don't think anybody else uh, career numbers uh, come come even close to Olave with a drop uh, percentage of around four point mm-hmm. nine, which is very good. Uh, so he he does things very well, and he's got some size as well. He's a six one. Uh, he does have a slight frame. Uh, I, I know people like to uh, to drag that out, especially with Devonte. Uh, Smith last year, but Smith looked just but fine. I love Devontae Smith too, right? Yeah. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and knock uh, Chris Olave for being skinnier. If I was fine with Devontae Smith, it can't doesn't affect you. If you, exactly how you look doesn't matter if you're able to pull it off on the field. Uh, another fun stat: uh, he came Olave came down with more contested catches uh, percentage wise than Garrett Wilson as all uh, also. Yeah. Uh, which is a little surprising because Gary Wilson, I would say, is probably better at high pointing. Uh, yeah. has probably a little bit better uh, body control in the air. Uh, but at the same time, Olave just probably t- just has more of those types of targets and just came down with more. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm going to offer up a hot take. I want to see if you agree with me. Mm-hmm. I think Garrett Wilson was better last year. Uh because there yeah. was a lot of of plays that I saw out of him where the difference between him and Chris Olave last year, when everyone was mm. saying because he wasn't draft eligible yet, and everyone was saying, "Oh, you know, Chris Olave is really good, but wait until Garrett Wilson." Garrett Wilson was really good at breaking tackles last year. Garrett mm. Wilson was really good at, like you're saying, high pointing the ball and making those contested catches, and he kind of had that other element to the game that Chris Olave doesn't really have as much where Chris Olave is very smooth, very good at getting open, good route runner, solid speed, you know, hard to cover. And Garrett Wilson was all of that and the ability to catch a slant over the middle and break a tackle and run for a score or high point the ball down the sideline on a back shoulder. And I didn't see as much of that out of him on his tape this past year as I did the year before. And I really think that's kind of what's missing for me is now I kind of see him and Olave on more of an even playing field. And I think Olave's smoother overall, better hands overall. I think he's more a, a better route runner, quite honestly. I, Garrett Wilson's a good route runner, but I'm not. Everyone wants to say he's the best route runner in the draft. I think he's not as good as Olave. I mean, Olave's up there. I don't, I don't know if they're 
if I can really distinguish the two uh, enough to say that one is better than the other. Uh, but they're both very good. But I, I just found the stat to maybe challenge what you were just saying, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. This so, is just off my own eyes and not having gone back and watched his tape from last year in a long time. So this is just off memory. Just off the, the stats, uh, in 2020, Wilson had uh, six missed tackles forced uh, compared to this year where he had 19. So okay, a, a considerable uh, a different uh, amount different there. Uh, so, But I mean... I, I I see what you're saying, and I when I watched Wilson and compared him to Olave, I saw a little bit more speed from Olave. Uh, even though Wilson uh, timed better at the combine, I saw a little bit more short uh, uh, short distance. Not officially. Not Garrett officially. Wilson was no Garrett Wilson. I think timed at at. I want to say it was either four three nine or like four three eight, and Chris Olave's official, I think, I think his official time was four three nine. So they were like right next They're to each right other. They next were all, to each other. They were almost identical, like forty wise. But when I when I see them in in the game tape, I I saw Olave as much faster, or, uh, or like a a noticeable difference in him being faster than than Wilson. Uh, but of course, I mean, then they time very similar to each other. But I, I, I don't put as much uh, money behind forty times as I do game tape. Yeah, yeah, no, me either. Um, it's an interesting discussion with those two because I think no one has any idea who the real first receiver off the board is going to be, and no. it has a chance to be Garrett Wilson. I think there's a chance it could be Chris Olave, it could be Drake London, it could be Traylon Burks. And none of those might be the number one receiver for most of the teams in the NFL. You know, this is there really isn't the outright star of this group that can really go and do, you know, everything in particular. Um, So that leads me to the guy I want to highlight next. And that's Christian Watson at North Dakota State. Because when I'm looking at this class as a whole, and we were texting about this earlier, and I'm thinking from the total package of a complete receiver, size, speed, body control, run after the catch, route running, hands, everything. And I'm taking in injury history as well. I don't know if there's a more complete receiver in the draft than Christian Watson because he's got the size. He's 6'4". He's over 200 pounds. He's got long arms and a really good wingspan. His catch radius is huge. Uh, He had a plus 40-inch vertical, which helps that catch radius even more on top of his 6'4 frame. Ran a 4'3'6", and it shows up on tape. He is able to run really crisp routes for that that, being that size. And and his ability to sink his hips and and not be a rounded cutter is it the most amazing routes in the world no but when he's able to move as fast as he does and be as fluid as he is it makes and be that size it really does make a difference and then the thing with him that no one is is going to understand unless they really understand quite honestly understand football and understand what he is and what he's coming from he's coming from an offense that barely used him it's like having a, a a 2020 brand 2022 brand new Ferrari and you're driving it five minutes down the road to the grocery store and back. And that's it. And every once in a while, like every every other week, you take it out onto the highway and you let it go 85 down the down the road. 
and then you bring it back and you don't let it do it again. He was so underutilized for his talent. North Dakota State is a run first team. North Dakota State runs the ball so much more than they throw. It's not even funny. That's how it was when Trey Lance was there. It's how it was when Carson Wentz is there. It's how they've won so many championships because their running offense is so dangerous. And then their play action game off of it, they can make big plays. Christian Watson didn't get as nearly the opportunities as other guys in this class, like Garrett Wilson, like Chris Olave, like even Traylon Burks at Arkansas or Drake London, any of these guys. He didn't get nearly the targets and the opportunities to make plays as they did. And still, the type of numbers he put up when you factor in how often North Dakota State was throwing the ball are freaking astounding. He he accounted for 35% of his team's total receiving yards. For every player on North Dakota State last season that caught passes, that's receivers, tight ends, running backs, anybody that could have been subbed in, anything, any receiving yardage output. He accounted for 35% of it by himself. There was 16 total people that got passes. 35% of their yards went to Christian Watson. He averaged almost 20 yards a catch. And when you are doing that consistently, even when Trey Lance was there the year before, I think he averaged like 17 yards a catch. There's something there. And I know the competition is a question, but I'm looking at this from how I evaluate wide receivers. And I like to think I have a pretty dang good eye for wide receivers. It's one of the few positions that when I feel something really strongly about a guy and I see something in him and I like him a lot, they normally work out. I get the same sort of feeling in my gut about Christian Watson that I got from DK Metcalf. And I'm not trying to say they're the same player. That's not really my comparison for him. I think DK was a little more physical and aggressive. He was also a lot stronger uh, and just heavier while also being the faster physical freak that he is. But I see Christian Watson in that same sort of size speed. You can't keep up with me and you can't box me out. And I have the wingspan and the jumping to go out and do whatever I want. And if I'm a DB on the other end, looking across from this guy, I don't know how I'm supposed to cover him. And that sort of fear is what changes an offense. That sort of game-breaking ability is what number one receivers are all about, Install, instilling fear in defenses. And the total package, everything, size, speed, hands, deep threat ability, yards after catchability, underneath routes, you know, injury history, everything factored in. I don't think there's a single receiver in this class that checks more boxes than Christian Watson. I, I just, I don't. I, I love him. I think he's fantastic. And I think he's only going to get better in the NFL because he's going to be in an offense. That's going to not throw to him more than four times a game. Yeah. I mean, with Watson, I, I, I love him as well. Uh, a little challenge on, on the hands uh, because he does have very strong hands and he does come down with a lot of tough catches uh, and, and snag the ball. He's able to snag the ball away from his body very well using those, those uh, strong hands. But he does have some concentration issues. Uh, he has had a, a good amount of drops. Uh, his career drop percentage is 13.3, which is abysmal <laughs> compared to we were just talking about Olave, who had 4.9. Uh, so this is something that he must clear up. Uh, but yeah, like you're saying, well, he does everything and he has everything that you're looking for. Uh, and he would probably fit in our offense very well. 
he does a lot of things that Moore does, surprisingly, being yep. uh, much six, bigger. 6'4", 216, four. exactly. Used on sweeps, uh, used in screens, uh, used in the short game like like he can be. Uh, uh, he We can use him in a lot of similar ways, uh, but also different ways because of his height. Uh, we can use him as more of uh, a downfield jump ball threat uh, or as uh, a slant guy who can maybe shield defenders off uh, a little better. And he better has the than... speed to outright just beat you deep. Yeah. He can he... just run by people too. It's That's not even package. like it has to be right. It's not even like it has to be a jump ball. It's like he can just outright win deep. And he just happens to be 6'4". Just happens to be 6'4". And I, I, I posed this question a while ago. If London was went to uh, South Dakota or mm-hmm. North Dakota State and, and Watkins w- went to USC... Would we still have? Would most people still have them ranked the way they do? Would they be talking about London at four? Uh, I, yeah. I forgot who said that. Was that was that Mel Kiper that gave us? Uh, uh, I think so. London? That that's ridiculous. But yeah, uh, I think Watkins definitely has what it takes, and he will impress the GM enough to be taken a lot higher than people think. I know a lot of people are saying that he's probably going to go early second. Uh, but no way. I don't think so at all. I think he's got all the traits to be a first round wide receiver, if not maybe even the top wide receiver. Uh, if he gets past the Packers at 22, my jaw's going to hit the floor. I, I, I don't, I would be surprised if he even makes it to the Packers. I, I can definitely I mean. see somebody That's going what I mean. sooner. Uh, yeah, yeah it, it, he's got everything you, you'll look for. Um, so, yeah, like you're saying. Who do you take at 10? If you're at 10 and you're looking wide receiver, do yeah. you go for the guys with the elite traits like like Watkins? Uh, do you go for the best all-around guy and like Wilson? Uh, it, it's really dealer's choice here. Uh, what do you want? What is the type of wide receiver that you want? Uh, because there's that kind of variety going on here, and you can find whatever you're looking for. And don't worry about how other people rank them. It's all about what you right. want. And just, what you need and how they fit you your offense. Exactly. Just go get them. Yeah. Yeah. I want to add in one last point on Christian Watson, just with the drops that you had mentioned. And it's something I had heard um, Chris Sims mention today. And I don't, anyone who like doesn't think Chris Sims is smart is wrong. I'm sorry. They aren't paying attention. Um, but he had mentioned something about Watson and the drops because he had brought up exactly what you're saying. That is the knock with him is that concentration drops because he can drop the easy one and then he'll make the most amazing circus, you know, freak, 40 inch vertical catch and come down with it. No problem. And it's like, I was saying with them under utilizing his talents, he doesn't get nearly the opportunities to make plays. So when he does, he's so excited to catch the ball and run and turn the corner and score the 70 yard touchdown that he forgets to catch it. So if you just give him more targets, that's, that's going to start, you know, like working itself out of him. I think that's going to be easily fixed. Yeah. It's, it's not something I would like stay away from him because of uh i would still very much want watson on this team yeah absolutely all right matt who's your next receiver all right well now that we kind of went through some of the guys that we want at the top of the draft uh there's a chance maybe we double up at wide receiver uh one guy i like maybe i in hope the, we do in, yeah in the, in the middle or uh, late rounds is eric as from texas tech uh he's a guy that stuck out to me uh last year uh he's six three uh, he's, he's got some girth to him. Uh, he kind of does it all as well. He could be a deep threat. He can make those circus catches. He's got great body control. 
uh, in the air. He's got great hands. Uh, and he's also used in a lot of the ways that we just talked about with Moore and, and Watson. He can, we can use him on sweeps. We can use him in screen game. Uh, we can use him many different ways. The only knock on him, I think, is that he's also coming from one of these weird uh, Big 12 uh, offenses uh, at Texas Tech, much like Mims did. So there might be a little bit of a learning curve there. But we're not talking about taking him in the second round. We're talking about the mid-rounds. So I don't feel as bad taking him there and having him sit and grow. Uh, because what he can do, he can do very well. Uh, another thing is he's probably one of the better blockers in the in the draft as well, uh, which is a little surprising. I, 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 I um, just found that out the other day just looking at uh, PFF graves. Uh, on to the eye though, I, I think he he passes the test as well. Uh, he's definitely got uh, some strong arms, uh, some strength with him. Uh, he knows how to square up to defenders, uh, so that also fits our offense very well. Uh, so if he's there in the fourth or fifth round, I, I would definitely take a flyer on. Yeah, um, I as I had mentioned going through the list, I had actually never even heard of him until you had brought him up as a guy that you liked that I didn't have on my initial list. Uh, so I'm not going to sit here and say too much about him specifically uh, or any tape because I haven't seen any. And I'm not going to give an opinion on something I haven't seen, <laughs> but I can look at his combine profile. And I can look and I can see 6'2", 209, 33 and a half inch arms, which is a good arm length for that size. That's decently long. He has longer arms than Aiden Hutchinson. Another guy with longer <laughs> arms than Aiden Hutchinson. Um, 36 and a half inch vert, 126 inches on the broad and 438 uh, on a 20-yard shuttle. I'm not seeing a 40 number for him. Um, so I'm not going to sit there and that's you know pretty important for receivers is downfield speed. But if he has the size and he has the juice to be able to win, like you're saying, and he's a good blocker, and you're looking at a late-round piece as a guy to fit in on the offense, we're going to need someone to fill the Keelan Cole role if he doesn't get re-signed. Mm-hmm. So I can see from what you're describing, it kind of sounds like Keelan Cole to me. So I, I could see him fitting for sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally down for it. Uh, even though he didn't run the 40, I, I saw a good amount of speed, uh, whether it was a short-distance uh, uh burst or even long speed he he definitely had it uh so it's just a matter of him timing now we'll see at his as pro day maybe yeah yeah hope to see it i'm definitely once we get done recording going to get into his film because now i'm really excited to see for myself um i'm going to actually mention two guys because i already have spoken about romeo dubs a little bit on this podcast but i do want to reiterate that and then i'm going to add in uh with another guy at the end but to get to romeo dubs from nevada this is a guy that i watched before the senior bowl Um, when he was on the Jets roster and I was getting a feel for some of the players they were going to be coaching that uh, I hadn't seen yet. And he was the first receiver that I watched to their group. And he absolutely blew me away when I turned the tape on. And I still feel just as strongly as I did before about him as I do now, where I think he's a top 50 pick all day long. uh, And he's probably going to end up going later than that because there's just so much receiver talent and so many different flavors and what teams like, like we're saying, um, but this is this is a guy that's going to be a steal. He's going to be a productive receiver as a rookie uh, wherever he goes because he's just that type of talent. Um, about 6'2", 209, 210, very similar uh, build to um, uh, Azukama. But he is the route-running, like, teach tape. He's the guy where if you want to see what a, a – deep dig route and a square in cut is supposed to look like from a guy that's a bigger receiver. It's about six, two you put on Romeo dubs in any game that he plays in. 
and you're going to see the most crisp 90 degree stick your foot in the ground immediate cut right over the middle and ball's going to come his way. He's going to catch it, pluck it out of the air without breaking stride, immediately turn up field. It is just natural for him. Um, Out routes, no problem. Comeback routes sells them so beautifully where he charges off the line, goes as hard as he can, gets the DB really thinking he's selling the vertical route and then sinks his hips and snaps around in an instant, plucks the ball out of the air again. And this is where Christian Watson and his concentration drops come in, but Romeo Dubs gets the targets to where he's comfortable doing it. He turns around for the comeback route and he breaks and, and he puts his arms out to catch it and he gives the triangle like you're supposed to as a receiver. And he's already turning to run as the ball's coming in. And he's so smooth and so natural that he can do that routinely, catch the ball, turn and run. And it gives him the extra burst to either run away from a tackle or see a guy's coming and get his head around quicker and react and evade them. And it's the little things like that with him that he's so good at, that he's so natural at, that I I just, I love. And I know it's going to make him productive in the pros because he's just built to play receiver it looks like it just comes easy for him and everything that he tries and the cherry on top is his deep speed because he wins down the field all the dang time and carson strong just chucked it up to him a lot carson strong got a lot of passing yards and touchdowns and stats to make himself look very good because romeo dubs left his man 20 yards in the dirt downfield and all he had to do was throw it as hard as he could i'm when you have that element as I'm going to continue to say, and this is so important for me for receivers, if you can't scare teams vertically as a receiver, you're going to have a hard time. It, it's It changes how you get covered. It changes how deep DBs react. It changes what they fall for. It changes what you can get away with. If you don't have an element of deep speed as an outside receiver, it is going to be really hard to win in the NFL. And Romeo Dubs has that outside speed. And the deep speed in particular to where once a guy, the the football saying and over anybody that's played football or coached football, when you're a quarterback and you're judging on a go ball, whether you should be throwing it or not, uh, if you're a receiver, if he's even, he's leaving. That means if you're looking when you get to the top of your drop and the receiver is already even with the, the DB, he's going to end up running by him because the DB is still in transition. When Romeo Dubs is even, he's only even for a fraction of a second because he's long gone by the time the DBs even turned around. And I really, really think that he is going to be a, a stellar player in the NFL. I'm not going to sit here and say that he's going to be a, a, an instant pro bowler or anything else, but there's guys that go later in the draft that go on to be prime players in the NFL for whatever reason or not, they, they fall down. This is a guy that I am, I would put my like stamp of approval on if I was in a war room uh, as, as a scout saying, who's someone that, that you would bet your career on being a good player. I would bet my career on Romeo Dubs being a good receiver. Yeah. I really liked him too. And like you said, it's the little things. Uh, he did so many little things. Well, when I watched him, yeah. Um, Easy. Whether, like he doesn't he, even have to think about it. It just comes that naturally for him. Yeah. Like and it, he, the way he fights back uh, for his, uh, his quarterback uh, gives him a nice uh, target even when things aren't there. He'll fight his way to get open. He'll find his uh, his uh, soft spots in the zone. Uh, I, I even saw other little things like uh, when he gets run out of bounds and he knocks over a camera guy or anybody on the sidelines. He'll even t- take the time and make sure they're okay and get them to their feet. And and, and stuff like that uh, shows just good character. And we know J.D. Mm-hmm. loves good character, guys. 
he sells his decoys well, even when he's not the target of a play. He'll he's not going to half-ass it down the field or just nope. walk out of his stance. He's gonna he's gonna sell it as best he can. Uh, yeah, he does just about everything well, and it, he's got the speed. I wouldn't say he's got the best speed in the class, uh, but he's definitely no. But it's more really than enough, and it's and it's better than people think. Exactly. He, he surprises DBs with his speed. They don't think he's as fast as he is, and he has this extra gear deep where he can accelerate after, like uh, they call it the the blazing the blazing twenty, the last twenty yards of a forty yard dash. His blazing twenty is is really good. Where he can once he's already got going, he's another gear to get deep and accelerate. I'm I'm a huge fan. Yeah, he's got all the tools. Uh, I would say I have him a little higher than I have as a comma though, so I'm not sure if we can take him. Uh, in the fourth or fifth, like we made with Eric, but I would say maybe the third or even the late second. I wouldn't hate pick 69 if he's there. Yeah, if he's there. <laughs> I, I don't know. Like you said, he's got a lot of characteristics that GMs will fall in love with. Uh, so I could see a, a GM easily uh, going a little bit earlier than than when most people have him. Yeah, yeah. I, I think so too, because I love him, but I could also see the other side of Potentially, he just falls down the board for other names that people like. Um, Also true. Yeah. Uh, The other guy I wanted to mention real quick before we get to uh, before we get to the tight ends, that is going to be Alec Pierce from Cincinnati, who's a guy I watched this morning. Um, Juice. Another guy with downfield speed. Uh, I was getting into the film of Cincinnati, Alabama, and there were a couple of plays earlier in the game where Alec Pierce was dusting uh, the Alabama corners just absolutely leaving them in the dirt uh, wide open for walk-in touchdowns and either Desmond Ritter didn't see them or the protection didn't hold up and he got sacked too early, but he's got some serious speed. And then I turned on the Notre Dame game and I saw the same thing again, where he's winning down the sideline routinely and he would have had bigger plays if Ritter didn't either, either under throw a ball or not see him again. And I just see the, the speed in him. I hadn't seen until, uh, the combine, I hadn't watched him, and then he went out and ran a really good 40 at the combine. So my expectations were high, and they backed it up on tape. I, I just, I think he's another guy that was able to win underneath, uh, good with his routes getting open. Again, is it the most crisp, amazing routes in the world? No, but it's really good. And because he's so fast, he creates so much separation because guys are so scared of him that when he starts selling a deep route, they fall for it more. That's kind of, you can coach, this is kind of the thing with Drake London, and that's why I'm, I'm more down on him than others, is Drake London's technique and his route running is all very, very good. It already is solid. He already is able to make quick cuts and, and have get more separation than you would think. But once he does the technique part of it to do everything right and get that bit of separation, he doesn't have the athleticism to take advantage of what that, that little bit of a gap does. And in the NFL, when guys are so athletic and can recover so fast, you have to be able to take advantage of all the space they give you. So he, Alec Pierce is going to put more fear in a DB than Drake London is to where when Drake London is coming for a, a comeback route and he's selling it vertical and he's charging up field and he's trying to make it seem like he's going as fast as he can up field. That DB doesn't have to play it as hard because he knows that I can turn and run and recover and catch up to him anyway, even if he does beat me a little bit because he's not going to have the gear down the field when they're going against Alec Pierce, they, they completely back up. They know that they can't afford 
to slow down or play a shallow route or or miss or turn late or whatever, because he's going to be by them by three steps and there's no catching up after that. It makes it easier as a receiver to win when you have an element of deep speed and Alec Pierce definitely has it. So I'm I'm always going to fall for guys like that. I'm always going to be a fan because it just makes everything easier for you as a receiver. And when you also have some strong hands, you can a solid blocker as well. Good routes outside of that made some plays um, really good ball tracking. That was one of the things that I really liked to him. His ball tracking and his ability to make catches outside of his frame was excellent. So I'm, I'm a fan of Alec Pierce. I like Pierce as well. Uh, I thought I thought he was a little slower than his time from his forty time at least. What do you run a four four one four four uh, one official? I would say he's probably just inside four five on tape. Uh, still plenty fast, especially for a guy that's six three two thirteen. Uh, so he, he's definitely got enough speed there to take the the top off of defenses, especially with his long strides. Uh, and yeah, unlike London, when he's even, he, he pretty much stays even for most of the, the, right. the time. Even if he's able to create a little bit of a separation for a little bit, the DB is able he, to recover. And he that's can't the hold issue. It. Right. But, but Pierce can, Pierce has that, those long strides and he keeps that speed up uh, very well. And he, he, he's a guy that also has some concentration drops, though, uh, that I saw. I, I, I forgot which game it was. Uh, but there were two uh, red zone targets he had where ball just slipped. Yeah, right through his I, I remember. I think that was Notre Dame. One of them. One of them was a really bad throw by Ritter. One, it was way too high. And and yeah. yes, he got his hands on it. I will. I knocked him for dropping it. It was a drop because he was able to extend and get both of his hands on the ball. But it was just a quick inside slant on a double slant in the red zone. And he's got the guy boxed out once he makes his cut and he's looking for the ball. And if Desmond Ritter just puts it on his chest, it's the easiest touchdown in the world. And instead, he throws it four feet above his head. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, but Ritter aside, bad passes aside. Uh, I'd still like him to to bring his his drops down. He, even his drop percentage over uh, yeah. his career was around it is, seven it is or a eight. Negative. So it, it's something he's got to clean up. But it, everything else checks out very well. Uh, I have him. I have a, a second round grade on him. Uh, but I, was it Sims? He had him as his, like what number three? Uh, wide receiver wide three. Receiver? Yeah. So I wouldn't go that high. I, I, I wouldn't go that yeah. high. I think the second round's a, a nice uh, early second is a nice spot for him. Uh, yeah. because when you have that speed and that size, uh, teams are going to take notice, uh, because when you have those two combined, uh, you can do a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I definitely see him as a, as a guy that we sh- can target, uh, if we're going to double up and double up early. Yeah. Uh, I see him as a top 50 pick. So taking him at 38 is not that far out of the question in my eyes. If it's a need and it's a guy that fits every, you know, everything else you need at the position, I there's at that point in the draft, the variance in uh, what I view as a top 50 grade and where I would be acceptable picking a player of that caliber is not simply just 50. There's there's a, a range there. Um, let, yeah, let me let's propose get, this for yeah, you. Go ahead. Let's say we don't go wide receiver in the first round and mm-hmm. at pick 35, 38, we get Pierce. Would you be happy if that, with that haul, if the, if if all we if we didn't get anybody in the first and it was just Pierce? It would depend second. on who we got at four and ten and why we didn't take a receiver at any point in that instance. Because I'm kind of in the camp right now. As a, this is a good way to end the receiver talk. Actually, 
I'm kind of in the camp right now where I would rather, if I'm not taking a receiver at 10, trade 35 and 38 to get back into round one and take Christian Watson at like 15. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm completely with you. I would, I, I would rather get the guy we want than yeah. to go after the second or third tier guy like Pierce and have that be our the, the, the one guy we come away with in this in this draft uh, for for Wilson to grow with. Uh, yeah, I would much rather trade back in and maybe get Olave, maybe get uh, Watson. Uh, yeah, I, I, that's definitely the way to go. Yeah, I think so, too. Uh, I definitely think so, too. Let's get into the tight ends. Uh, why don't you go ahead and run through the list of tight ends for us, uh, and then we can go ahead and give us your first guy uh, that you want to highlight. Sure. We got Trey McBride, the pride of Colorado State, uh, the guy that's uh, kind of a do-everything tight end that a lot of people have as their number one tight end, including myself. Uh, probably a top 50 guy, for sure. Uh, then you got uh, Isaiah Likely from your alma mater, Coastal Carolina University. Uh, yeah, he's, he's, so he is probably known more for his move skills, uh, but he is a decent blocker as well. So I could definitely see us taking him maybe in the third round now that uh, the need for tight end has gone down. Uh, I, I could definitely see that. Then we got Greg Dulwich from UCLA. A lot of people have him pretty high. Uh, I don't. Uh, we have that Second Jeremy. Up. Jeremy Ruckert from Ohio State, hometown guy. Uh, another guy that was maybe underutilized uh, at Ohio State, uh, but definitely has a lot of skill there that you can project. Uh, you got Kate Otten from Washington, who's a great blocker. Uh, he really knows how to get at it and uh, has that, that that bully mentality that we, that we like. Uh, let's see, Charlie Kohler from Iowa State. Huge dude. This kind of guy that you just ro- have him stroll out there like a tree and just throw it up to him and, and he'll come down with it because nobody's as tall enough as tall enough to guard him. Uh, and then you got Jelani Woods, the star from Virginia who blew up the combine. Uh, his him. numbers are insane. Uh, and I, I, I know a lot of teams that really uh, moved him up their boards. And then you got Jalen Wattemeyer from Texas A&M, who's I don't love the exact anymore. opposite <laughs> of Jelani Woods, has been tumbled down everybody's boards uh, from, from his, uh, his uh, 40 time and, and all his numbers from his pro day. Uh, Cole Turner, uh, an, another move tight end from Nevada, who I really like, uh, shows a lot of good body control and hands. Uh, Jake Ferguson comes from uh, Wisconsin, another run first uh, offense. Uh, so he knows how to how to block, and he's also a very good receiver as well. Uh, a, a nice uh, two-way guy. Uh, you're going to have to help me with uh, the, the pronunciation of the, the guy from Chigazim Okonkwo from Maryland. Yes, uh, another guy that that's uh, really highly touted, uh, kind of raw, uh, but at the same time, he's got a lot to work with there. Uh, you got Connor Hayward from Michigan State. Uh, and then there's there's uh, there's other guys that there's this this tight end group is just so good. Uh, a few other guys that I really like are Derek Deese from San Jose State. This guy has former basketball player written all over him. The way he posts up his uh, incredible uh, ability to high point is a, a great body control. He'll make a great uh, move tight end at the next level. Uh, a guy like Austin Allen from Nebraska. 
uh, who, another run first offense. Uh, he's just as big as Kohler, uh, but he might even have better hands and uh, better body control. Uh, there's so many guys here. Daniel Bellinger from San Diego State. Uh, I can keep going all day. James Mitchell, Virginia Tech. Stop me. Yeah, just if stop we had me. the Let's time just... to do to do <laughs> so an entire man. breakdown on receivers, tight ends, and running backs, we definitely would. <laughs> this is uh, not by <laughs> our choice. This is by the factor of the amount of days left until the draft. <laughs> this tight end class is so dynamic in so many different ways. Whatever kind of tight end you need, they're there. And you can get them well into the fifth and maybe even the sixth round. Yeah, absolutely. Um, this is a, a loaded group. Uh, there's a ton of guys that really could be starting tight end ones for a lot of teams um, that are going to be going later in the draft. And as we know, with the Jets free agency uh, hall of CJ Uzama and Tyler Conklin, they're probably not going to be in the market for a premium tight end. I had thought for the longest time that Trey McBride at 35 was was going to be written in stone because I didn't think the Jets were going to attack the tight end market the way they did. And then I think they realized they were getting better value than they expected. And they went out and got two really good guys to fill the the dual role that they're going to need. They're going to be running a ton of 12 personnel, uh, especially when they have those two uh, guys at tight end to do it. It's going to help a lot, but I, I agree. I do think they need um, somebody else to be added in as the third guy. We can't really know what Kenny Aboa is yet. We all know what Ryan Griffin is yet. and It's not much. Um, so there really needs to be another body in the room. Tyler Croft, I think would fit, but we're worried about his health. Um, I think that makes it difficult. So the first guy that I want to talk about here um, is going to be Isaiah Likely from my alma mater, Coastal Carolina, um, because I don't think he's going to be available, but I would not be any okay with living with myself if I did not talk about this guy on our tight end <laughs> episode, because I, I really think that his potential is through the roof. And right now in my grades, uh, Trey McBride is my tight end one because I do think he is the most polished and complete, you know, everything overall um, and ready to go out the box right now. And I think he's going to be a great player in the pros too. But if you asked me who could be the best tight end in this class in five years, my two answers are going to be the two guys that I'm going to talk about. And that's Isaiah Likely and Jelani Woods. Uh, Isaiah Likely has Hunter Henry receiving ability his speed and his ability to change direction and catch passes outside of his frame is, is really good. His ability to win downfield is scary. Uh, he's about six, four two forty, So he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he brings every ounce of his pound of his frame over the middle, uh, running through tackles and his blocking. There is not a single player in this class that gives a better blocking effort at all than Isaiah likely. Isaiah likely, again, not the biggest dude, not the strongest dude, but he's going to put every pound he has into every block. He had more highlight blocks, springing plays for touchdowns for Coastal Carolina and their option offense, where he's the last guy running down the field and he may, needs to make one block on a linebacker, one block on a safety. And it's not like I'm going to get a piece of them or I'm going to get in front of them and turn and seal. I'm going to throw everything I have into this shot and knock them on the ground. And he did it over and over and over. I, I really think that he is going to be a difference maker in the NFL. I don't know if it's going to be right away, but I think you give him enough time. Tight ends usually take some time to get going. Let him kind of grow into the role, get used to what he's doing, get adjusted to the speed of the game. 
and I know he's going to have the heart and the tenacity to do it, I think he's going to be a star. Yeah, I, I definitely see it. The, the way that they were able to use him, he was pivotal in the Coastal Carolina Ascension over the last two years. Uh, what he's able to do with stretching the field uh, or j- just being the reliable target for, for his team, uh, he's, he's just incredible at just about everything he does. It, uh, he could probably be a little bit more consistent as a blocker, uh, but he's definitely got something there that he can right. grow on. And it's because he's trying to throw everything he can into the block and he's getting sloppy with his technique. And so sometimes yeah. he'll overthrow and lose. So it's like, you just got to coach that out of him, but it's really hard to coach the guy to want to block like that. It's a lot easier to coach him to do it, the, to have the technique right than it is to, to have that effort in the first place. Yeah. And he doesn't have, you know, stereotypical uh, tight end frame at uh, 245. It's a, it's a little slight, uh, but he's able to hold up. Uh, did, did he have an injury his last year as well? That uh, he, he, leg that he played through for a period of time, but he was able, uh, it was either a leg or a lower back, but he was I able bu- to play through it for a couple of yeah. games. Um, again, toughness, uh, the, the attitude is going to be there. Everything from, from living 15 minutes from the university and, and having attended it myself and having decent connections, everything that I know and everything that I've heard is that he's an excellent worker. He's a great guy in the locker room. He's not, doesn't have any off field questions whatsoever. So guys like that, when you can see the type of player they are through the film, when it jumps out that much at you, those, those guys stick out and those guys usually don't fail. Yeah. The, the hard worker thing definitely uh, showed up uh, for me on tape. Uh, when plays break down, who do you mm-hmm. see coming back to the quarterback? Who do you see trying to work himself open? And it was most likely him. He was always around uh, to offer his services to his quarterback. Uh, yeah, the, uh, we want these kinds of players on our team. Uh, and since we, in free agency, we, we picked up our, our kind of uh, dual threats at tight end. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind taking a chance at unlikely. Uh, to be more of of a receiving uh, threat, right. so and and developing his his blocking skills uh, down the line, yeah. uh, I think I he just see offers a, enough. A dangerous, dangerous offensive package of thirteen personnel with mm-hmm. CJ Uzama, Tyler Conklin, and Isaiah Likely, and then Isaiah Likely splits out to receiver. Yeah, I, I could definitely and, see that. And you're going to have teams in a heavy set to defend against thirteen. And you're probably going to get him on a linebacker out wide. And I, I could see some, some Michael four having some fun. Yeah. I, I can see a, a lot of uh, interesting things going on with, with this team. If we can grab a guy of his talents for sure. Yeah. Matt, who's your first guy? Let's see. Likely. So because we we've taken care of, of the bulk of the tight end position in free agency, I'm going to look for somebody that's maybe a little further down the line, uh, I'm going to go with Jake Ferguson from Wisconsin. Uh, he's a, a big body guy, uh, and he he's, comes from an offense that knows how to run the ball. Uh, this is his bread and butter run blocking. Uh, but he is no slouch uh, down the field as a receiver. Uh, he's very good in the seam. He's got very good body control uh, to come away with balls that are away from his body. Uh, he's got very good hands. Uh, I, I wish he was a little bit more fluid in his route running, uh, but he gets away with, uh, with what he needs, uh, and he's able to do it all. His speed's okay. It, 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 it's passable. Uh, but as a number three tight end, I think he fits in very well with what we already have 
if one of those guys goes down, Ferguson can step right in and we won't really uh, miss a step there uh, because he's able to do the same exact things that they are able to do. Uh, so while it would be nice to have maybe a little contrast with likely uh, as a, as a mostly move tight end, uh, it doesn't hurt to have a little uh, uh, similarity uh, going with your death uh, because we're going to want to keep doing what we're doing, even if we have somebody go down with an injury. Uh, so we, we, we definitely need to look at that. Uh, Ferguson's uh, just total package. I, I see him more in the fourth or fifth round, uh, which is probably where we need to be looking for a, a tight end now. Uh, we can use our premium picks on, on other things that are more dire need. Uh, but yeah, for tight end, for number three, number four guy, uh, Ferguson in the fourth or fifth is perfectly fine with me. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a really good point is that right now with the Jets having their two starters, that the guy they're looking to add isn't going to be playing as many snaps as those two, those two starters. So it would make more sense to have someone that can be a little more of a backup to one of those two guys and fill their role and sub in either when they need a breather or if God forbid there's an injury. So I, I definitely agree that for the Jets perspective, that that's the route that they are going to go as probably the fourth or fifth round, having a guy that can do uh, do both block, receive, be a capable weapon, you know, either way, doesn't have to be the featured dangerous tight end. They'll come in, they'll block when they have to get their little bootlegs in the flat. And, you know, that's all they're going to be asked to do. And they're going to be great at it. And Ferguson fits that bill. Um, he's a Wisconsin tight end, which means he can block. And I know that's a cliche, but it's true. Uh, you can turn on the tape and see it. You just don't play at Wisconsin. If you can't block, you're not going to start. It's just that. It's that simple. And quite honestly, in this NFL, it's the same way where if you're a tight end or you're a receiver and then you want to be in on early downs in the run game, if you're not going to block, you're not going to play. It's going to be a lot harder to crack the lineup as a purely receiving tight end, unless you're so dominant as a receiver that you're going to be more needed in the passing game anyway. Uh, Ferguson fits the bill. I think he could definitely be available in that middle round. He reminds me of Tyler Croft quite honestly, where it's bit, the same yeah. similar body, um, a little bit stiff, um, but from that body and that size, what you expect, decently strong and can run through tackles better than you would think, um, and a great blocker. So I, I I really saw a little bit of Tyler Croft and what we were expecting him to be, and I said that he would be the perfect third tight end to fit the bill if he could stay healthy. Well, here's Jake Ferguson, who's Tyler Croft with no injury concerns. Yeah, uh, it, yeah, uh, I, I can definitely see that Croft the uh similarity uh one thing i would like to see a little bit more from him even though he was from wisconsin and is a good blocker he was a little inconsistent uh so i'd like him to be a little bit more consistent there but he's definitely he's got... better when he doesn't have to cover a lot of ground exactly yeah it, it, which he might have to do in our in our offense though so. uh, because we, uh, we, we like to do the wide zone so he might have to cover a good amount of ground uh, but he's got a, a lot of good core strength there, uh, and and that's a good way, a good place to start, especially uh, going up against some of these uh, defenders that he's going to face in, in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could definitely see the fit, and as I just said, that I agree with your point, and I think for the Jets, it makes sense to. Um, view things from that angle and try and get a guy that fits in as a backup. I'm going to completely and totally counter it and talk about a guy that's going to go probably too early for them and deservedly. So, and that's Jelani Woods uh, mm -hmm. because Jelani Woods is a freak. And yep. I, 
I would absolutely love the scenario, like I just said, of Isaiah likely 13 personnel. Imagine Jelani Woods 13 personnel. Yeah, right. that yeah. that is a terrifying, terrifying thought. Uh, we are talking about a guy that is six foot nine, 260 pounds, I believe, 250, 260 pounds, right around that. And ran the fastest 40 at the combine tied for it for all tight ends tied for the number one guy who was Chigo Okonkwo from Maryland. Who's six, three, two forty two. had at six, at, he's six, nine Jelani Woods. You turn on the tape and he's Jimmy Graham, but a better blocker. Hmm. Every bit, the receiving threat, Jimmy Graham probably was faster, maybe a little more fluid, but in terms of being able to make catches outside of his frame, high point the ball and just be an unfair matchup for anybody on the football field. It's like watching a man amongst boys on the tape. It really is. It really is. And this is the ACC. This isn't, you know, North Dakota state where you can make that argument for Christian Watson and Christian Watson still looks like a man amongst boys himself. This is the ACC and he's doing it against guys that are probably going to be playing in the NFL or get tryouts in the NFL where four or five star recruits out of high school. And he's making them look like they are ants. He's making them look insignificant the way that guys shrug off of him or when they're going up against him in the red zone and he can just so easily box them out. I don't know how you cover it. I don't know how you're supposed to be able to cover it because I'm sitting here thinking if I'm an offensive coordinator, I'm putting him in the slot and I'm telling him go run straight up the seam and I'm going to put the ball high and on whatever the opposite leverage of the defender is that's covering you. And who's going to be able to jump high enough to get it before he can? Who's going to be able to, to make a play on the ball? Who's going to be able to stop that pass from being completed? I don't know how you are supposed to stop Jelani Woods. Yeah, it's, and so it's going to be very hard to. And so I would love a scenario if the Jets go receiver at 10 and they have things decently well sorted out. They get receiver at 10 or interior D lineman at 10 and their two second round picks are the other one, whether it's a a receiver or a defensive lineman and we get another safety. I'd seriously consider trading pick 69 and maybe a future pick or pick 69 and a four and a future pick and coming back up to the late second and grabbing Jelani Woods and just saying, screw your defense (laughs) and say, good. We got to say you add a receiver at 10, like uh, a Garrett Wilson, possibly maybe we're not sure on him, or maybe you find a way to get Christian Watson or you get George Pickens at the top of the second, something like that. I would just, that is, you want Zach Wilson to succeed go give him this guy to throw to because it doesn't matter what he's all he has to do is throw it high and it's going to be a completion. And he's a solid blocker. That's the best part about it is he's not a punishing blocker. He's not the best guy where he's going to sit there and drive people and and be, you know, the, the end crasher like Trey McBride is, but he doesn't give up ground. Guys don't move him. He doesn't lose. He's stalemates. His, his losses are 
the guy drove me back an inch and then I reset and it was a little easy. It was enough for him to get into the backfield and get a hand on the running back. But generally he's single blocking defensive ends on the backside and he just holds them up, stands them in place and they don't go anywhere. It's like, that's an effort thing for me where you get a, a light of fire under his butt and you tell him, come on, Jelani, put, put your, put your button to it. Let's drive this guy out of the hole with his length and his size and his power. Guys aren't going to be able to get off of it. So I just, I think he is the most potential maybe of any player in this class, not named Jordan Davis. I, uh, that's, that's, or, that's, or, uh, yeah, I, I or, would say that or Christian well. Watson, Christian Watson. Like I, I'm, I'm looking at it from just what is your ceiling? What could you become? If everything gets put together for Jelani Woods, he's a better Jimmy Graham. Yeah, I can see. I, Sounds good to me. The, the the craziest thing I saw is maybe the fact that he has 34 inch arms and he still put up 24 reps in the bench press. He's strong uh, as heck. He's a cinder block. He's what? a six, nine cinder block that runs four, seven. It's oh my god! It, it, I I I saw that during the tape as well, where he just bullies people in the they team. Fall like, off of him. He, he, like, yeah. So let's say you're able to, to handle the fact that he's six seven six nine. Then you still have to go up to, uh, against his right. thirty four inch arms, right. and, and still come down with it. And, it, so, it's not and he's got happen. a good vertical too. He can jump decently high too, and his high he time snaps well. He can high point like he knows when to jump, and then the thirty four inch arms. You're still gonna have to jump up to cover that you're still going to have to have the reach and the vertical and the arm length to go out and cover that how do you cover that don't know your your best bet is to just go with tackling him instead of, of trying to hit him in the air the right pass. you try and dislodge it as when he's coming down with it because you're not going to be the first one to touch the ball it's just the jets need a red zone weapon this is the best red zone weapon i've seen in years yeah it, I, I, it, in games it sort of reminds me of when i was like little and I would like grab my dad's ankles and he would just kind of like drag me around the yard. That's kind of so, what it looks like. That's exactly with, uh, what it's like. Dwayne Woods and, and defenders in the ACC. Uh, he's going to go up against bigger and stronger people in the NFL. But at the same time, he's probably bigger and stronger than most of them as well. That's so exactly I, right. I, I, I would. Yeah. If we take him in the second. Yeah. That, that's kind of a screw your defense kind of move. Uh, trying to guard all three of these tight ends. Plus uh-huh. more. Plus right, yeah, Davis. and then you put and then you put Elijah Moore as the number one receiver, or if you right. you know you get somebody like a George Pickens or something else, and instead of oh we're in thirteen and I'm going to split out Isaiah Likely, it's no oh now we're in thirteen and I'm going to split out Jelani Woods and he's one on one with a linebacker on the sideline. Go cover it downfield. Good good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, good luck. Baron Browning, go run with uh, Jelani Woods. Uh, you know Van Ginkle in Miami. Go keep up with that freak. <laughs> like okay, yeah, sounds sounds like a plan. Go go put a five nine slot cornerback on and <laughs> let's see how right. that works out. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm I'm all for it. I think it's unlikely. I think that's just my dream scenario of how I think things would go. But but God, I would I would love the possibilities. And I just I I can't get over how good Jelani Woods is and how little he's being talked about. I mean, he's being talked about a lot more now than, than he was before. And but, it's still not uh, enough. I don't it's care. It's still not enough. Yeah, you're it's right. It's still <laughs> not enough. Like, he's being taught. She should be like, he's my he's my tight end three, but it's not by a lot. It's not I, by I a view lot. him, Trey McBride, and Isaiah likely in a class of their own. I can see him being the first tight end off the board easily. Easily. I wouldn't be surprised. 
She has the talent to be. I, he is. She has the talent to be the best tight end in this class, and it's not even close. He's the talent to be the best tight end in the NFL if he wants to be. If he wants to be. I mean, yeah. When you look at this tight end class, I would say it's extremely deep. It's very talented, but at the same time, there's no like Kyle Pitts. Uh, no, but if you're looking not, at not the package superstar, but yeah. yeah, but if you're looking at potential, uh, Jelani Woods really fits the bill and could, uh, like you said, be one of the best mm-hmm. tight ends in, in the NFL. Yeah. If he develops Jelani Woods is the, the big version of Kyle Pitts where Kyle Pitts was, I'm six, four and I'm two forty, and I run like a deer and I run routes like a receiver. And, you know, I'm just this unguardable freak uh, that happens to be playing tight end. Jelani Woods is the other end of the spectrum where it's I'm reptar and I can, <laughs> I can run up the seam and high point the ball. And I can, you know, catch the pass over the middle and, and drag somebody off of me. And I can run a four seven down the seam and have no linebacker able to keep up with me one-on-one anyway. Like it's, it's just the physical dominance when you're that much better of an athlete than the people around you. It's, it jumps off the tape. Can you imagine the smile on Middleton's face? If we drive. Oh my God. Yes. Oh, like seeing those two together, it would be a a great pair. Could you imagine the smile on CJ Uzama's face? (laughs) On our faces. <laughs> on our faces. It's just going to be ear to ear smiles in in the the East Coast. Yeah, absolutely. Matt, do you have another tight end you want to mention, or you want to get into these running backs? I don't know. I I, I've, I don't know if I can really mention anybody after uh, Woods that would really compare. Uh, now let's just leave it there. All right. All right. Go ahead. Um, I'll go through the list of the running backs here. Um, another good group of backs uh, overall, decently deep, uh, maybe not any outright superstars. All there are. Um, I, I do really like Kenneth Walker, but I'm not going to spend I'm not going to talk about him specifically, although he is my running back one. Um, there are a handful of good backs here and the Jets could still take a running back in the later rounds uh, to round out their stable. They did resign Tevin Coleman. Uh, they still have Ty Johnson. I don't think his contract expired yet, but they really do need another guy to pair with Michael Carter. Um, so I could see this being like we said for tight end fourth or fifth round, same range uh, here for the running backs go through the list. Uh, Kenneth Walker at Michigan state. As I said before, he's my running back one about five, nine, 205, 210 pounds runs four, three, nine at the combine plays about four, four, five, four, four, two for me. Great contact balance. Uh, great at breaking tackles. Really like his game overall. Brees Hall at Iowa state. It's been the most productive runner in the country for the last couple of years. Uh, really good jump cuts, good speed, solid vision, uh, able to hit the edge and, and make plays uh, down the sideline. Isaiah Spiller at Texas A&M, bigger back, runs with power, uh, played in the SEC and did really well in the uh, SEC even when he was a freshman. Uh, Maybe not the most explosive guy in the world, but his ability to get north and south and make people miss and create yards is really solid. Uh, Kyron Williams at Notre Dame is a little more of a scat back, had a really disappointing combine that I think surprised everybody. Anytime you see a running back running four, seven, uh, it kind of makes your eyebrows raise a little bit. Um, generally, you don't need your running backs to be outright burners and, and every running back doesn't need to run four, three, but there's a level of speed you need in the NFL and level of burst four, seven is certainly scary, but his tape, he looks faster than that. He's a great receiver. He's got good hands, runs good routes, um, could be someone that outplays their testing for sure. Uh, Damian Pierce at Florida. This guy is really interesting to me. This guy is very similar to Tevin Coleman, where he isn't going to be the most agile or shifty dude in the world, but he's able to make one cut, get north and south, explode through a hole, and then run you over with all the force and momentum he's carrying behind it. Um, 
some of the better power uh, of any of the backs in the draft. Jerome Ford at Cincinnati. Um, I cannot figure out if I love Jerome Ford or if I only really like him, but it's one of the two. Uh, his contact balance is great. He's got great jump cuts. Um, he can run through arm tackles. He can make people miss in space. He's got long speed to take people deep, good vision. Like, again, I can't decide if I love him or just really like him yet, but it's I'm teetering. Uh, Ryan Robinson at Alabama, bigger back, but with good feet for a bigger back, runs hard, had an awesome game against Cincinnati where no one could tackle him. Um, and there's a couple of plays that he has throughout his career where he just looks like a, a bowling ball, cinder block, a piece of cast iron running the rock that no one can bring down where guys run up and hit him and tackle him and his head doesn't even move. He just, just completely straight. Uh, James Cook and Zamir White are the Georgia duo, uh, the thunder and lightning there. James Cook, the brother of Dalvin Cook, very similar play style as well. Smaller, shifty, good receiver, uh, is able to make quick cuts, uh, explode through holes, take advantage of bad pursuit angles. Zamir White is another interesting one who's a bigger back. Um, they call him Zeus, and rightfully so. Uh, he'll run you over with no fear, but he's got 4-4 speed as well that he showed at the Combine. Uh, he's been rising in my rankings a lot. Tyler Beatty from Missouri, another guy who's smaller, good inside, good vision, solid contact balance, solid speed. Uh, nothing too special in any one direction, but a guy that's definitely going to be able to produce. Uh, kind of Devin Singletary-ish, maybe he's a little bit bigger than that, but similar vibes from when I was watching him. Ricard White from Arizona State, uh, Another big guy with speed. Uh, if you remember Kenny Nwangu last year, uh, who's the Vikings kick returner with a couple big returns. Uh, who's he? Iowa State, his college? I can't remember. Um, I think it was Iowa State. Yeah. Uh, something like that. Um, it might have been Arizona State, actually, now that I think about it. But uh, he's very similar in that aspect where it's about six foot, six one, 200 pounds, really good speed, good cuts, has enough power. When you're 200 pounds running 4'4", four, four, you're going to be able to bring some thunder. Hassan Haskins at Michigan, another power back uh, with really good vision, quick feet, has some nice hurdles on tape that you wouldn't expect. Uh, I like him a lot as a, a sleeper down the board guy. Tyler Algier at BYU is one of my favorites. Uh, I've liked him for a handful of years. Zach Wilson's former teammate. Uh, is comfortable in his own system. One cut runner, 220 pounds and, and runs with every pound of it behind uh, his shoulder pads really good contact balance solid receiver as well pierre strong from south dakota state is probably the fastest back in the draft if you're just looking for pure speed to the edge guy that's going to win in an outside zone system uh similar to a michael carter or similar to a raheem mostert then pierre strong is definitely your guy and last on the list i have jerry and ely from ole miss who is a really really intriguing guy to me he's a guy i've been a fan of for a couple of years now where he's smaller he's about five nine weighs about 215 so he's got nice tight compact shoulders good thick build at five nine uh and he runs hard he is no fear and upside in the middle he'll stick his nose down and try and churn out yards solid receiver as well i think he can be a really really interesting player at the next level kind of reminds me of kyron uh kylan hill a little bit from last year i don't like him as much as i loved kylan hill but i get similar type of player in my eyes so matt out of that list i'm gonna let you go ahead and have the floor who's the first running back you want to highlight so when i look at our running back group I see a lot of speed. I see guys that can come out of the backfield and be good receivers. Uh, but what we lack and what we really need the most is that battering ram, that guy that can just plow through offensive line, uh, through defensive lines, uh, get those tough yards. So I'm going to go with Brian Robinson from Alabama. Alabama just has a way of churning out these linebackers that play running back. Uh, and Robinson's no different at 6'1", 225. Uh, he is that plow. 
uh, against Cincinnati. They barely threw the ball because they didn't need to. Robinson was just was enough. To, he the Cincinnati had the hardest time bringing him down, uh, and for good reason because he has tree trunks for legs, uh, and he runs with more power than a truck. So it's it's easy to see why he fits in. Uh, but he's not just a battering ram, which is what I'm impressed with the most. He ran uh, four or five at the at the combine, so he's definitely got some some speed there. Uh, but he's also a decent receiver out of the backfield. He can he can leak out into the flats, uh, or do a little whip routes, uh, and 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 still be uh, a pretty good option as a receiver. Came down with around 300 yards and, and two touchdowns last year. Uh, he's, he's definitely, uh, got the ability to, to sneak out if we ever wanted to, to show a, a strong front on short yardage, but then leak him out. Uh, I, I could see him, uh, Michael Fleur having some, uh, some fun with that one. Uh, I, I really like Robinson. He does run a little upright, uh, yeah. but he, it doesn't really take away from his power though. He's still able to run through everybody. Uh, I like him a lot. If he makes it to the the fifth or fourth round, uh, I would I would take him there. Yeah, if he's there in the fourth round, I would love it. Uh, I think he would be a a really good fit um, for all the reasons you said. They do need another guy with power. They need a guy that can win in short yardage, that can win in the goal line, that can punish defenses when they're tired of running around and chasing Elijah Moore and Michael Carter all day. Uh, they need a guy that can that can put his shoulder down and break some tackles. And I really think that Brian Robinson would be a great fit. He's got really good feet for a bigger back. He's really? able to to make cuts and change direction. He can't really string them together as well as I would hope. But when you are that big and that powerful, you know, if he was able to do that, then he'd have everything and he'd be a first round running back. So it's it's a knock, but it's not a killer by any means. And for what he would be able to do in our system, um, there there is a little bit of the mis a misconception about the Jets offense that I think not enough people are recognizing their base run game is definitely still built around wide zone for sure, but they do a lot more in their run concepts than just wide zone. They ran a lot more power and pin and pull and, and counters and different designs of running plays last year than I think many people expected. So they need a guy that can read multiple different types of run plays and Brian Robinson can read multiple different types of run plays. So we know he can do it from a vision standpoint. I'm just a little bit worried of more from maybe a power standpoint when he's going to have to cut through gaps and make uh, quick cuts in between the tackles and shift from one gap to the other. He can do it once. Can he do it again? If he finds a way to do it again, I think he's a really, really good player. If not, he's still going to be a guy that if he gets caught inside in the hole, he can still lower his shoulder, keep those huge legs churning and get yards that way. So he's going to be an effective player. Um, I like his fit a lot. The guy I want to talk about is the guy that I think can be Brian Robinson and more, and that's Zamir White. Zamir White. Yeah. Zamir White is that, is that dude. I did not know how I missed it the first time I watched Georgia film this year. And maybe I was just so enamored with Jordan Davis and, and Lewis seen and Quay Walker and Nicobe Dean and all of those guys and Devontae Wyatt. How could I not mention him? Um, That I didn't really quite pick up on just how good Zamir White is. But he is every bit as big as Brian Robinson. I wouldn't say he's equally as powerful, but he's like 5% less powerful. He's got 
solid feet as well. He's able to change direction really easily. And his burst is way better than I thought it would, than I thought it was um, looking at him from his profile before I got to the tape. When he gets the corner and he needs to get the corner and hit the edge, he has that other gear. And I see the same thing in him. It's not the same level of speed by any means, but I see the same sort of like cartoon steam engine. They're throwing the the coal in and they pull the horn and it's the woo and the, the, the train revs up and he hits that other gear. I saw that at a Todd Gurley when he was at Georgia. And it was like my favorite thing about Todd Gurley was that he was this huge, strong running back made of solid steel that also ran four, three and, and had the gear. Once he got into the open field to take place to the house. Samir white's like almost there where he gets to the corner and I see the same sort of flash in his eyes that they get wide and he goes, all right, time to turn it on. And it's like, he hits the turbo button and brings all of that 220 pounds of his frame up to speed. And he gets the corner on guys. And then he's down the sideline. And he's able to make explosive runs uh, on top of his powerful running inside. And he proved it at the combine. I'm pretty sure he was like four, four, five, if I'm remembering correctly, or maybe it was even better than that. Um, but it was at least a mid to low four, four, 40. And for his size running that fast and being able to have it translate to the tape as well. Uh, it, it really, really impressed me. I really liked what I saw from him on a second watch. Um, Again, I don't know what I didn't see at first and why it didn't jump out to off the screen to me like it did the second time I watched him. But the second time I watched him, I fell in love with Zamir White. I'm he might have taken over Tyler Algier for me, quite honestly, just because I think he's that he's a better athlete and it's obvious. Yeah, I mean, he was going to be my guy for a reason. I, I love I fell in love with him last four, year. 4-4 four flat. 4-4 four, four flat. Yeah, uh, I saw a, a lot of what you're seeing now. And I was really pissed when he didn't come out last year. I really wanted him to come out last Ooh, year. Uh, for, and I was supposed to grab him in the mid rounds. Uh, but yeah, with that size and athleticism, uh, he, he really got a, a guy that fits in what we want to do. Uh, I, I love his vision too, especially on yeah. cutback lanes. Yes. Uh, his ability to just string it out and then make that hard cut through the yep. hole foot in the uh, ground and the burst to get through it that's the burst. important thing is that he sees it and it's great that he can see it but then he has the athleticism the agility of the burst to put that foot in the ground and get through the hole before it closes that's what i love about him so much i love it and it's good to see that too because he's had two acl surgeries uh in his past uh so it's good to see that he's been able to to spring back from those injuries uh and still show that he's got it uh, because some guys, I, these days with medical advances, they'll make sure that you come back from these injuries. But a lot of the times you're not the same running back. But White has proven that he was able to do that. To, he didn't, especially as a bigger back too, that he did not lose any of that speed. He did not lose any of that uh, uh, fluidity in his, in his feet. Uh, he still has it. Uh, I really like Zemir White. Uh, I have him maybe in the third round. Uh, so I, it, it really depends on what what JD wants to do. At the, uh, does he want to wait till the later rounds and maybe get a little bit better value? Uh, or does he want to just go after the guy that fits our offense very well, which Zemir White does? Yeah, he definitely fits. Uh, he would be the missing piece to their running back room for sure. 
and with the potential to grow into a guy that can be a a compliment and and really a one-two punch with Michael Carter and not just a sub guy. Like I really yeah. think he has the potential to be part of a duo, not just, you know, an understudy. Yeah, I agree. Oh, all right, I'm going to have to change my second guy now. Yeah, but, sorry. So even though I love Zamir White, I'm just going to go with my favorite running back in the class, and that's Brees Hall. Uh, he's another bigger guy at 6'1", 220. Uh, he rarely fumbles the ball. He's got very good uh, instincts. Uh, and he's also one of these guys that just can make something out of nothing. Uh, he can get bottled up and boom, he'll just bang it outside. Uh, or he'll do a quick little spin move, a tight spin move, and he'll and he'll be able to find another hole out the other side. He's got this great vision, whether it's in the open field or at the line, uh, to just find the holes, no matter how small they are. He can shoot through them. Uh, he, he can make you miss in a phone booth. I've seen defenders square him up right in front of him, and they there he goes. He'll just do an, a spin move or a quick jump cut, and there and he's gone. Uh, he's only has maybe average long speed, uh, so he's. He's probably going to be a little slower than, than Zamir White. Uh, but at the same I think time, he's faster. He's... Now I'll disagree with that. I yeah. think Brees Hall's faster. Yeah. I... Zamir White's fast. Don't get me wrong, but I I think Brees Hall's faster. He, he's he's definitely got the, especially the, the short area burst. Uh, he, he could, uh, not even a competition. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's definitely got it there. The long speed, I would maybe give the edge to White, uh, but Hall's definitely up there. Uh, and he's just so shifty, and he—I think he's made something like seventy-four missed tackles this year. Uh, yeah. And it's—it's it's no surprise when when you look at his uh, foot speed, uh, his, his contact balance, uh, and his just ability to just make everybody miss in the open field or even behind the line. Uh, he rarely gets dropped for a loss. Uh, so yeah, if we're going for our, 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 our top running back, let's just. Go for it in the in the second round with Brees Hall. Why why wait? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'd be okay taking him in the second, just with the Jets picks in the second, to where he'd be a top forty pick. Um, considering Michael Carter is as good as Michael Carter was, and we got him at one hundred four. But I wouldn't be against the fit at all. I think he can fit the zone scheme um, really well. His vision um, generally is really solid. He's really, he's really good at exploiting cutback lanes, kind of like Zabir White. Um, his shiftiness, his jump cuts are gorgeous. Are, are they're, they're a thing cuts. of beauty. They're a thing of beauty. They really are. Um, his ability to stop and start. He's, he's kind of Le'Veon Bellish in that way, where he's a patient runner almost to a fault, where I almost want to see sometimes where I want to see a little more anticipation in his vision to where it's not wait for the, the gap to be a Canyon and then explode through it, kind of get there a little uh, quicker and then um, explode through it earlier and really make a chunk, but he still finds it. Well, he still cuts really well. Uh, he's like a, he's like a lesser version of LaShawn McCoy to me. Okay. Yeah, I see that. All right. I'm going to get into uh, my next running back here. Uh, to round things out with the last player we were going to talk about here. I was going to talk about Tyler Algier, but I have talked about him a lot. Uh, and so I'm going to change things up with a guy that the more I see of him, the more I like. And there's not any necessarily testing numbers that wow you, 
but the tape is good and it's consistent and it's consistently effective. And that's Jerry and Ely at Ole Miss. Um, five ten, about or he's five nine, I believe. Let me get his exact measurements up here. I want to say he's five nine two oh seven, but I could be, I could be wrong about Let's that. See. It looks like five eight one ninety. 58190. Okay. So he was a little smaller than I expected, but that's going to point to my thought in my head for him thinking of his size. He plays like he's over 200 pounds and he has no fear uh, of contact. He's no fear inside the tackles. He will lower his shoulder. And he's one of those guys that's really low to the ground at 58. His uh, center of balance is really low. He's got really good contact balance in that way. And he's kind of just like a little ball of churning knees when he lowers his shoulder. And if you're a linebacker coming up to tackle that, you're just going to get a knee to the freaking chin and he's going to bounce out of the tackle. He's a really good receiver. He's uh, he finds spaces and zones as a check down. He's able to turn the corner. Well, he's really natural catching the ball. Um, I just think he's a fun little player. He's a jitterbug, which is what I thought about, Kyle yeah, Hill, I, which is when I got the same sort of feeling where it's just you give the guy, you give him the ball and good things happen. He can get the edge in the corner. He can make plays to the outside. He can run hard inside. He can make passes as a receiver. He can catch passes. They design, design screens for him. Um, he can pass protect. Like I, he just does everything well. And I just, I just love watching his game. He just is a fun back to watch. Yeah, his his feet are something special. There's absolutely oh, no gorgeous. wasted motion in anything no. he does. Uh, but yeah, the way he's just able to do little stutter steps without losing any speed at all. Uh, and I, I see his legs sometimes a little like Gumby's too. Like he'll just do some like uh, river dance move and sidestep mm-hmm. a guy like it's nothing. His uh, dead leg is disgusting. It's it's uh, it's wild. Uh, he's most definitely a very fun guy, and, and he's got strength behind those legs, too. Uh, yeah. I see him drag people, uh, and he's not the biggest guy in the world at all, like we said, 5'8", whatever, but he will drag people, too. Right, got, right. Like, and he'll run through linebackers. He'll run over tacklers. He'll he'll outright truck people, no problem. Like, all gas, no brakes, that's Jerry and Ely. He, he is fun to watch, and when he gets the ball, uh, he's got a vision that's quick. I, I like guys that can really decipher what they're looking at quickly uh, without any wasted uh, time uh, or just waiting for things to develop. He knows where he wants to go and I'll hit it right away. Uh, and most of the time he's right too. He's, he's, he's going to guess right and he'll get the big yards because of it. Uh, I like Ely a lot as well. Uh, where, where do you have him going though? I, I would say fourth round fourth or fifth round I could see being a spot for him because his testing numbers weren't amazing. He's smaller. So that's always going to be a knock five, eight, one ninety. That's small. Um, but I really think that the reason I said Jerry and Ely is because I almost said Jerome Ford uh, at Cincinnati. And I think mm-hmm. Jerry and Ely and Jerome Ford are very, very similar players where Jer- uh, Jerome Ford's a little bit bigger. He's uh five eleven, uh, two ten. Um, a little bit faster. He was able to get, I think four, four, one was his 40, but it's the same type of player where he's a little lower to the ground, compact build, good contact balance, able to make good jump cuts, quick shifty cuts. If he needs to able to run with power when he needs to breaks tackles. If, if he has to runs inside, outside, same sort of idea. And I said, Jerry and Ely, because I legitimately think that he could be a, available for the jets, the fourth round, top of the fourth round when they pick. And I'm not so sure about Jerome Ford. I think Jerome Ford could go a little bit earlier. That said, 
for what the Jets are going to need for their offense. I think what they would give you and how they would fit in Jerry and Ely and Jerome Ford are identical. So I would rather have Jerry and Ely later in the draft than a third round pick on Jerome Ford. Yeah. I mean, I, I see him going a little later. I feel like teams are going to be worried about it could his be. size. It really, he really could, honestly. Uh, and I running was, backs in general just kind of drop. So and I, I always I, undervalue that because uh, end of the second round, JB and Hawkins over here last year. Um, yeah, definitely, six, definitely. Seven, oh no, he he went no he, he went un, he went undrafted, but that's also yeah. because there was some very serious off field concerns with him that I had no information about oh, whatsoever. Well, um, that not much you could that. do about that. But. No, not much I could do about that. And then uh, didn't yacht he was signed with the Falcons. I think he might still be on their practice squad or is a backup there. But yeah, there was some there was some off field concerns with JV and Hawkins that I had no uh, no way of knowing. But even still. Um, he could go later and, and that's later. just me as an evaluator, um, liking smaller running backs when they have the juice to, uh, get to the edge as well. That's why I was down on Clyde Edwards and not to go off mm-hmm. on too much of a tangent, but if you're going to be a small running back, be a small running back with juice. Don't be a small running back that runs four, six. Yeah, no. And you know what? Tell Tevin Coleman was brought back, but he's not our future. He's not going to be our no. long-term rotational guy uh so yeah ely would be an, a nice fit with carter going forward yeah i think they would definitely fit well together he doesn't quite have the the outright power that i think we would really be looking for as a partner to michael carter but as a guy that could be his backup or a duo or could do similar things and be interchangeable and, and still bring some power behind it i think he could be a good fit and i think he'll be yeah. available i mean carter's not big either but he's no. also very strong in the base uh, which allows him to really just run through arm tackles and really make stuff out of out of nothing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I can see the Jets liking Jerry and Ely for similar reasons as to why they liked Michael Carter. Yep, I see it too. And and they loved Michael Carter. So, uh, yeah, Matt, I think that does it for our skill position preview. Um, definitely a long one, but uh, for the one-year anniversary special, I think we had to do a pretty extravagant long episode here. Um, Worth we are it. just getting started. Definitely worth it. Uh, we got a handful of positions left to break down. Next week is going to be all about the offensive line. So make sure you guys tune in for that. There's been a lot of discussions over Makai Becton, George Fant, uh, Ike McQuanu, if he's there at four overall, how we're feeling on that end. The Tyler uh, Linderbaum discussion is always going to be interesting. So make sure you guys stay tuned for that. Uh, we are going to be on high gear, uh, all gas, no breaks, for lack of a better saying, until the end of this draft season. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Matt, go ahead and drop your handle and we can call this one a day. Um, Matt, you can find me at Zazzy Jets. And make sure you guys follow me at Andrew Golden underscore 17 and also at OKD Podcast on Twitter to catch all the updates for the show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back next week to break down the offensive line. Happy one year anniversary to the Oklahoma Drill Podcast. And here's to another great year in the future. Thank you guys so much. Bye bye. Thank you.